0: This is Cold Coffee No Glue Sticks, the teaching podcast that gets into real teachers' heads and hearts to give the world a better idea of what actually happens in classrooms. I'm your host, Katie Street, and I am and always will be a teacher. It is episode five, and I've got Principal Mr. Steve Harper on the register talking about mitigating burnout as a school leader and telling one of the most relatable cock-up stories I've ever heard. Let me know what you think by leaving a review and recommending this episode to your teacher friends.
1: I started out as a primary teacher and got my first uh, gig in 1997. Um, Prior to that, uh, I, I don't think I was too interested in being a permanent teacher. I graduated in 1992 and I just needed to get out in the world and do a few things, which I did. Um, and I started in Lightning Ridge in outback New South Wales Um, and then um, went from there to uh, the coast. And then in 2004, I decided to uh, retrain uh, to become a mathematics teacher. So I did that and uh, took up a position in Tamworth uh, and – in 2013, I decided I, I, I applied for a promotion um, to be a head teacher in mathematics and um, went to uh, quite a disadvantaged school and, be, and didn't stay a head teacher for very long. I became a deputy uh, within 12 months and then. Um, Within two years of uh, first going to Peel High School in Tenworth, I uh, became a relieving principal. So I had a fairly rapid rise from uh, a classroom teacher to a principal, uh, which came at some cost, can I say. It, I wouldn't recommend going up the ladder that rapidly. There was a lot of learning to um, get under my belt and uh, a few mistakes were made along the way, can I say. But, uh yeah, that's that's pretty much, and, and I, I taught, I, I was a substantive principal um, in outback New South Wales uh, at a school called Kimiala High for four years, uh, and I've just recently transferred into the Hunter Valley at Dungog High.
0: Amazing. What a journey. Well, congratulations on your current role. It sounds like you're, you're nailing it at the moment. Um, tell me a little bit about, Teaching in remote schools or uh, outback schools because I've not had that experience. I'm I'm really interested to learn what that's like from both a classroom teaching and from a leadership point of view.
1: Um, yeah, it's it, it's it is very different to teaching um, on the on the coast. Uh, there there are different challenges. Um, then teaching, there are similar challenges and different challenges. Um, I guess the the main differences that people would find by teaching remote uh, is that you are isolated from your profession to a degree. Having said that, though, um, your social circle is very much tied in with your profession. Um, so, so you you're, you you tend to form very close bonds with your colleagues. Um, and some of those colleagues I met uh, back in '97, uh, I've still keep in touch with, and that's not unusual for for doesn't matter where you live in the state, I suppose. But uh, some of the experiences that we had together um, uh, went beyond um, um, a professional context. We certainly socialised with each other very much. Um, you. You get a very um, good understanding of the context of your students as well, because you see them very much in the community in a community context, uh, rather than uh, just um, the students who come to school. Um, yeah, so it's the uh, f- f- in an isolated um, setting, um, the the isolation does make does make it very very difficult at times, but there are advantages to it as well. Um,
0: yeah, I guess a a big part of being part of the teaching community is that no matter how, um, how experienced you are when you join that community, everyone is immediately there for you. And that's, that's kind of what I've found both teaching in the UK and teaching here. Everyone is willing to put their hand up. Everyone's willing to help you out when you need it. So that must be really hard to be out, um, in a remote situation where you've got, that kind of isolated group, but then I suppose the bonds are even stronger in that sense as well.
1: Yeah, you, you, you nailed it. Yeah, very much so. Um, it's it's You're all in the same boat, I guess, and you're all going through a very similar experience um, within your personal life and in your professional life. Professionally speaking, there's a lot of opportunities um, when you do go into a remote setting uh, in that there's high staff turnover, um, there are uh, always jobs to be done, the schools tend to be smaller, so you get a far broader um, scope of experience than what you may do in a larger setting on the coast. Um, so you get uh, a, a better bird's eye view of school operations uh, far earlier in your career than what you might if you um, start uh, in, a, in a more um, popular setting.
0: Yeah. Wow. So would you recommend an executive position to any other teacher?
1: Oh, uh, well, <laughs> it, I, think it's, uh, I, I think it's an individual. Some people uh don't want that um and they and they want to remain want to remain in the classroom and, and there's times in my um, career um, where I have kind of lamented the fact that I went into the executive ranks uh, i I never intended on becoming a principal um in fact i was kind of pushed that way uh, by my mentor and I'm, I'm happy to be pushed that way uh, because I enjoy my my role as principal, um, uh, I think if if someone's if someone's got the inclination to take it on, uh, certainly um, it's it's a rewarding position uh, being an executive in a school. Uh, but with that comes added uh, stresses and added pressure beyond uh, that within the classroom. Uh, I remember. Being a head teacher, uh, I felt that as a head teacher, I had a responsibility uh, to to lead by example. And if I uh, asked my staff to put something in place, I had to make sure that I had that in place in my practice. And I worked very hard at being um, one of the better teachers uh, in my faculty. I, w- I wouldn't be so arrogant to say as I was the best teacher in my faculty. Uh, but I, I certainly um, looked at my practice very, very carefully and made sure that uh, I was uh, acting out what I was speaking out on.
0: Sure. Do you still get um, Do you still get the chance to teach in a classroom regularly?
1: No, no. Um, colleagues of mine who are principals do take on classes. Um, that's usually out of need. Uh, I, I, my, my job, really, my, my responsibilities have shifted from um, having direct responsibility over student learning to having um, a responsibility over the student learning environment, including the quality of service delivery that the teachers are providing. So uh, that that is where my mindset is at, uh, but I do enjoy and, and I, I, I do enjoy going back into classes and having the opportunity to teach. I remember principals saying that uh, when I was a classroom teacher and thinking, sure, you do. Um, and, and I have to admit that if I had to go back into the grind of teaching, I don't know how long I'd last. And that was one of the um, reasons, I guess, why I felt uh, that – um, going into an executive role was the right move for me because I, when I was teaching, I was a very energetic teacher, uh, and I did put a lot of in, into it. And there were, um, I, I did question how, how long I could um, continue <laughs> doing up that level of energy for, you know, as I aged. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I completely get you. Um, do you see that burnout in your teachers now?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, it, that's a that's a really good question, and I think um, I, I think yes, I do. Uh, and to answer your question, but I think as a leader, that we can take steps uh, to try and mitigate um, that burnout by creating a, a workplace environment um, that's resistant, or as resistant as possible, to it.
0: Yeah, it must be so hard being in your position to balance the well-being of your staff with, with what um, the department needs, what everybody else is kind of asking for in terms of that environment, in terms of those outcomes and everything. It's a, it's a really difficult position that you're
1: in. It can be. It depends on the attitude though, Katie. Um, I'm not um, and never have been a particularly ambitious person, uh, and I've told my community here that this will be the last job in education that I have. Certainly at a um, school level, I've got no no desire to go into uh, corporate um, uh, department level. And if I le- left uh, educ or left a school, uh, I'd be going off to a different system to do other work. Um, so that that kind of Um, belief frees me a little bit. And um, there are um, uh, departmental and corporate expectations and and pressures on schools that I try to um, protect my staff from. Um, And uh, I, I think I... I don't. I certainly don't pass uh, the pressure for achieving uh, targets and that sort of thing onto them. I don't have that approach, and I've voiced that um, to um, you know the upper uh, senior management of of the department in in, in saying that um, I think more focus needs to be put on. Um, the processes in teaching rather than on the outcome of teaching uh, simply because there's, there's um, too many variables uh, and if we look after the things that we can control, then we'll get the results that they would like us to get. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, having said that, though, you, you do have to get used to and hardened uh, to that kind of environment. Um, but it is a space that uh, I I enjoy and, uh, you know, I'll keep doing the job for so long as people think I'm doing a reasonable job and I'm able to. Um, Otherwise, uh, a coffee shop could be beckoning at some point in time.
0: (laughs) Well, I'd love that. When you open Steve Harper's coffee shop, give me a (laughs) call because I'll be up in the Hunter to come and visit. Um, All right, let's go back to your uh, classroom teaching. Did you always were you always a maths teacher, or did you teach uh, other bits and pieces as well?
1: No, I start. I first seven years of my permanent teaching career was a primary teacher, Um, and and I often lament moving from primary because I actually I think um, the work I did in primary school. Uh, at, at a curriculum level, was was more satisfying than the work I did at a high school. At a curriculum level, however, there are other aspects to high school teaching uh, that I I was rewarded more. Certainly, at a, a, a um, well-being and um, um, uh, um, I've forgotten the word, but anyway, well at a, at a at a well-being and a pastoral level is the word I was looking for. Um, I, that there were uh, certain roles that I had in the secondary space that um, I enjoyed very much, but at a curriculum level, I loved um, primary teaching.
0: Amazing! What was um, the one theme or topic that you most enjoyed teaching, whether that's primary or um, high school?
1: Uh, in a in primary, I loved teaching English, uh, and um, depending on and I love teaching drama. Uh, my classes used to go into uh, the local of Stedfords and put a play in, and we had a lot of fun uh, doing that. In fact, I, I still keep in touch through Facebook with a student that I had uh, back in the early 2000s, uh, and Bryony is now a professional actor, and um, her father uh, credits you know the the roots of that passion for for acting back to um, the first play she ever performed in, uh, which was a, um, a, a a mini musical uh, when she was in year four, and uh, oh. based on based on the Oklahoma musical. And uh, um, yeah, she's she's certainly uh, gone on to bigger and better things. But um, that that's something I I had a bit of a, a drive for and a bit of passion for. Funnily enough, maths wasn't something that I really enjoyed teaching in, in primary school. Um, but English and, and, and the creative arts is something that I really, really love teaching.
0: I was gonna say that's a, a big move from something so creative to something so logical. What was the, what was your thinking in moving over to maths?
1: Um, honestly, uh, there were a couple of things pulling me that way. Uh, first of all, I loved maths when I was at um, uh, high When I was a school student myself, um, and when I was a casual teacher uh, after uni, I, my, one of my first gigs was in uh, a maths staff room, and I enjoyed um, teaching in, in the secondary setting. Um, uh, I, I. Um, I I, I think uh, I was more drawn to um, teaching in a high school uh, because of uh, the structure and the collegial nature that I saw when I was in a in a high school so working with the staff was very um, uh, appealing to me and making that move um, and being able to focus on one subject uh, I I I felt at the time when I made that decision uh, would be something that I'd be quite interested in doing.
0: Mm, absolutely, yeah. Um, what's been your proudest moment in your teaching career?
1: Uh I think I there, there's a couple of moments that come to, to light. Um I'd, more than a couple. There's there's lots of moments that I'm proud of. I've been very blessed to, to have been a teacher. Um, and if I had my time over again, um, I'd, I'd probably do go down the same track. Um, from, from a leadership perspective, um, the work I did with uh, my staff at Pearl High School in the maths uh, faculty, we managed to turn that faculty around from... Uh, something that uh, was was really not working um, to to something that um, was able to get great results uh, for the students. Uh, so uh, to you know, one result I I think of is um, we we were able to shift our Aboriginal students from um, growing at a rate of 30% below state average to 20% above state average. So there was a 50% wow. shift in that yeah. So that and there was a lot of elements in in doing that. We we re, we repainted the faculty and and changed the environment. Um, you know, we had we we Upskilled the staff in using technology and and using visible learning strategies, and um, immensely proud of of, um, the way the staff viewed themselves differently, too, after a period of a couple of years. So, um, you know, I I also was a rock and water facilitator uh, as a classroom teacher, and I remember a moment there. Um, where I had this uh, student, he was a year seven student, I think, year seven, yeah, he would have been probably 30 kilograms if, you know, ringing wet. He was just a very slight boy. And we got to the graduation step in Rock and Water where I required them to break a board. Uh, if they yep. wanted to and he he uh, stood up to do it and uh, he had several attempts uh to do it and you know just through a uh process of encouraging him he finally got there um and uh, you know the the he, all the parents assembled and the kids they all just cheered and uh the you know the principal was there at the time and I think he he choked back a few tears it was <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> But there's lots of moments like that um, in teaching that that you can have and and sharing the achievements of each individual child has been a a proud moment for me as it would be for any any teacher.
0: Oh, that's lovely. It makes my heart ache and it makes me really miss being in the classroom, actually. What a lovely story. Um, From a leadership perspective, or perhaps you might want to answer this from a classroom perspective, is there a resource or yeah is there a resource you wish you had either more of or less of the podcast is called cold coffee no glue sticks um I know a lot of teachers wish they had (laughs) a coffee at a temperature that they could actually drink and more glue sticks so what does that look like for you
1: um time is a thing and I think uh, most people I would talk to would say the same um, uh, thing Katie and I'm not sure whether you'd have too many people disagreeing with that uh, coming onto your podcast um, and it, it's something that um, as a as a teacher uh, I I know that I had um, too little of and as a leader I, I find that too. Uh, But I'm very conscious of what it was like to be a teacher. And as a leader, uh, I I think about how can I give um, my staff more time, uh, whether that be changing um, the amount of compliance and streamlining the compliance, um, because we all have to do it, but doing it in such a way that it's more time efficient so they can spend more time on the important things uh, within teaching. Um, or you know, just actually gifting them time to giving them, giving that that extra release time to be able to you know get some some things done, um, and prioritising what what is important and making sure uh, that those big rocks in the day are the ones that we prioritise and 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 not the gravel that often gets in our shoes and and makes us limp along. Oh, so I love about-
0: that! What a great analogy. Yeah time it's uh, it's definitely become a bit of a subheading in the podcast to be honest with uh, previous guests so i'm I'm not surprised at all but it's it's good to hear it from um, someone in a leadership position as well especially someone that recognizes that um that their their own staff struggle with it. so what's been your what's been a moment this week that feels like a bit of a gold star to you something that's really made you smile?
1: Yeah, I had a um, bit of a squeeze through these questions um, last night Um, and and there have been uh, some shining moments this week, uh, but the shiniest moment for me happened this morning. Uh, So I had to rethink the answer on that one. (laughs) I was invited to um, our support unit's uh, celebration of Book Week at 9 o'clock this morning via Zoom. And it was outstanding. I, my my uh, face was sore from smiling uh, at these kids and their level of engagement. You know, they all had their the teachers were all dressed up in, um, in in <laughs> their um, costumes. <laughs> the, the head teacher is a is a um, very talented young man, uh, and he was dressed up uh, like Gandalf. I wasn't sure what he was dressed up initially. <laughs> And one of the other teachers is a Scottish uh, teacher who was dressed up um, from Professor, uh, as Professor Macdonald. Um, yeah, the whole... Professor
0: group. McGonagall,
1: yeah. One of them, that's it, yeah. And uh, he's got a Scottish <laughs> accent too. And um, I couldn't quite work out whether it was her talking or whether it was Benji talking uh, as Mrs Doubtfire because he did look <laughs> But the, the students were hysterical, and it was just you know that they were loving being there. The staff were loving being there, and to me, um, that's that you know there's a, there's a there's a guy um, who I admire from the states, uh, a fellow by the name of Ron Clark. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but um, he's he's an amazing educator, um, and. I like to quote him as saying, "School is about; it's not about the curriculum; it's about the experience." And what I saw there uh, was a, a, an absolutely wonderful experience that both the staff and the students uh, will remember. And and that's that that's always in front of my vision um, when I'm leading a school. Uh, let's. Let's create a wonderful experience for the staff and the students here at the school and and then the curriculum will take care of itself and the learning will take care of itself.
0: Lovely. That is a very shiny moment. I really like that one. Uh, So the next question I've got is um, let's big up a bestie. We've kind of touched on how important it is for teachers to support each other. Um, What's your team like? Has there been a team in your career that's been instrumental in in providing that support for you, or have you got an amazing team now? Is there one person? What's that like?
1: Lots. Lots. As you progress through your career, whether you stay as a classroom teacher or um, whether you rise the ranks and become a principal or beyond, uh, you, you, you can never get there by yourself. Uh, you can never provide those great experiences by yourself. Um, I, I have been, I, I have had the most wonderful career. I've been to China. Um, I've taken um, a group of 80 year, year 10 students out to um Uh, over to the Northern Territory uh, for a a couple of weeks. Um, Just had wonderful um, experiences. Um, I remember my last executive team, there were nine of us on that executive team and uh, we used to have our executive meetings on a Friday afternoon and uh, no one could understand why uh, we did that in fact, I don't think we really understood it when we first started doing it. It just seemed to work. And I kept asking them, do you still want to have this executive meeting on a Friday afternoon? And they and kept saying, yes, we do. And then um, our, our executive director caught wind of this. And, he said, and in fact, um, Murat Dizdar, the deputy of the, of, uh, the Department of Education, uh, caught wind of it. And he said, why are they having their exec meetings on a Friday afternoon? It was a very unusual thing. <laughs> And I think um, we could have a laugh and we could be relaxed. Yeah. And, and my head teachers didn't have to worry about planning lessons for the next day or, or what was ahead in that day. That was the end of the day for them. Um, so we could have a laugh, but our minds were relaxed and we could do a lot of valuable learning and reflection and planning um, during that time because we were relaxed. But that particular group of people, were were fantastic um the group of people i've got here at Dungog high are are amazing the staff here um i I asked them last i had a meeting with my executive last week um that i wanted more zoom sessions to happen uh from our classroom teachers and the very next day it happened the response was was just amazing Um, so uh the staff that i currently have are um are just incredible um the the executive team that i have here uh, are absolutely amazing and I'm, I'm continually in awe and humbled from by the work that they do and they're, they're also very grateful and they thank me for the work i do but um i <laughs> i have to reflect back to them and say well you know we're all working hard here it's not just it's not just me in fact um and to be honest i think they're working harder than me so um, i'm very grateful for the for the work that they continue to do but um my my mentor a fellow called bill campbell who's now a retired principal uh, has been very instrumental in my post classroom teacher uh progression and uh he's he's someone who i'd definitely give a shout out to and i know i wouldn't be the only one doing that because he's been he's has his Fingers in the pie uh, are a number of three <laughs> certainly We're supportive of a number of people.
0: Oh, lovely. It's really, really important, isn't it, to have someone to take you through those um, progressions when you need it. But that's amazing to hear about your, um, your staff at Dunkirk High as well. So amazing. Good job. Shout out to them as well. All right. Now, we don't like to be negative. Um, but I do think it's important on a platform that recognises teachers that we recognise that we're all human. So in that vein, I'd like to ask you about your most recent classroom cock-up.
1: <laughs> Look, I've had heaps. <laughs> How long does this podcast go? <laughs> I've I've had um so many mistakes as a classroom teacher and as a leader. And and you know I think um, I'll share with you uh, when I think of um, an experience, but I, I think it's really important um, to have an environment where you're um, where you be happy, happy to make mistakes because you you limit your progress uh, by limiting your risk, and and my executive team, my staff, say, so for instance, um, um, I. With it, with this with this um, learning from home, I've allowed my head teachers to to um, pretty much determine how their faculty's response to learning from home would work without being too prescriptive around that. And a conversation I had with one of my deputy principals was um, you know we've got to allow our leaders to lead and if they make mistakes, we'll support them through the aftermath of that. So it's a it's a good question. Um, my latest uh, uh, cock-up, oh, okay. it's, it's hard to single one out. Can can I can I share one from years ago though that really stands out in my mind?
0: Please, yes.
1: I was a casual teacher at Urala Central School, and um, I, I can't remember how it came to this situation, but it was a a sport afternoon, and there was rain, and so they couldn't do sport. And so what they did was they got all the infants' kids together in the hall, and then they said, Steve, we need to have a meeting. Can you look after them? So I had kinder, year one and year two, in this hall, and there there would have been about 90 students there. And I'm thinking, what do I do? Um, I was the only staff member there, and I was holding court with these kids, and I said, <laughs> I don't know what to do. So I didn't have anything on me. I hadn't been casual teaching for that long, so I didn't have a bag full of resources, and I said to them, I'm going to tell you this story. And I had no idea of what the story was <laughs> I was going to tell them. I didn't. I had nothing. And I got. I held their attention for about three minutes and this little year one student yells out, I think he's making it up. And the kid nailed it, absolutely nailed it. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not. This is a real story. And, uh, I couldn't manage to hold their attention for too much longer. But they, they found me out very quickly. I said, well, okay, look, well, this isn't going very well. So has anyone got a story that like this year? So we had... And, of course, all their hands shot up. And um, so I just used the resources that were there and, and they all had a little little turn in telling a 30-second story each. So that was quite entertaining. But, <laughs> yeah.
0: That was brilliant. That's probably one of the best cock-up stories I've heard, actually. <laughs> I like that
1: one. Certainly <laughs> got found out that day.
0: Um. All right. What feels illegal in schools or teaching but isn't? Now, this is about something that you might feel guilty about for doing. An example could be sitting in a staff meeting with your whole staff and texting someone on the other side of the table secretly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, Not that I've ever done. No, I'd have to lie if I said that. Um, (laughs) It is easier now with uh, remote learning and having meetings with Zoom. Um, I think uh, probably um, 90% of the people there have got their phone out at some point. Um, I, I guess uh, what most people find challenging uh, and, and feel guilty about doing is actually taking a lunch break. Right. When I first started... Um, or uh, in in uh, a maths fac- faculty at Pendle Hill we used to have uh, a cricket pitch set up in the staff room and lunchtime was cricket time and um we we had rules you know you had fielders sitting on their chairs or facing their back to you but they could still catch the ball everyone <laughs> participated you know um and it was a it was a lot of fun uh we had staff room with table tennis table in it, and so we had recreation uh, facilities available to us to utilise uh, when we did have a break. But now you don't see that at all, and and staff um, sit at their desks and eat their lunch, um, and that's, that's a culture in, in a lot of schools. Um, that's something that um, I want to redress here uh, because you do miss out on a lot. Uh, when that is the culture. And I think our department and education in general suffers um, because of that. So um, lunch is definitely a compulsory thing. It's not illegal, but people feel guilty when they um, take the time to have it.
0: Wow. So maybe we can look forward to seeing an air hockey table in the Dungokai staff room?
1: (laughs) Yeah, possibly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll keep an eye out on your Instagram. Um, all right. The last question that we always ask on the podcast is imagine that you wake up tomorrow and someone says, oh, Steve, you've just been voted the new education minister. What's the first thing you change?
1: Um, well, it wouldn't be a quick change, um, but it. Uh, I'd like to have a bit of control over um, the New South Wales Education Standards Authority, and maybe pare back the curriculum. Uh, in Canada, their their syllabus um, is is um, uh, far more concise than what ours is, and I'd allow teachers to have more opportunity to be creative. Um, and you can't do that if you if you've um, got all this content to get through. So. Um, I think uh, you know that that would be um, very high on the agenda um, to to what I um, uh, would want to achieve, and um, I would have a talk to the Minister of Education and say let's forget about uh, some of these uh, targets based around standardised testing, and let's think about um, the quality of uh, interactions and the relationships between. Our staff, and between our students, and between our staff and students, because that's where the best learning comes from. Um, from that foundation of, um, of of positive and healthy relationships, and uh, by putting by putting pressure um, on arbitrary targets um, onto classroom teachers, um, and then in them in turn putting that pressure on the students. Um, that doesn't do anything to enhance those relationships. So um, th- those two things, curriculum and um, uh, target setting, um, are, are two things that I would certainly uh, uh, want to see uh, change.
0: Very interesting. Thank you. Well, Mr Harper, you have been an absolute dream to have on the podcast. Thank you so, so much. Have you enjoyed yourself?
1: Oh, very much. Thanks, Katie. And thanks for the opportunity.
0: What a guest, the lovely Steve Harper. there, giving us a really great principles insight into teaching and learning and managing well-being. Subscribe, rate and review to let me know what you think and to get the word out. And come and follow me over on Instagram at cold coffee, no glue sticks pod. Come back next time for more classroom stories and another fab guest. See ya.